Welcome to impactfirm.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Impact Boom. My name is Michael Keller, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Eric Lamb from Exigy. Eric is a partner at Exigy which is a digital innovation studio on a mission to build resilient and healthy communities. As a certified B Corporation, they empower organizations that promote positive social change by providing product strategy, design, and engineering expertise. I had the opportunity to learn a lot about Eric through a mutual friend who told me all about his experiences working to foster social impact from acting as president for Habitat for Humanity at UCLA, to building a nonprofit network as a founder of the Global Sustainability Project, where he, where he oversaw development projects in El Salvador with locally organized community volunteers. But without spoiling too much of the fun, let's dive into the conversation and let Eric share his experiences and thoughts about social enterprises, philanthropy, and the world at large. Welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me. Of course. So just to start, um, you started working in the social sector as early as your undergraduate career at UCLA. Um, could you please share with our listeners what inspired you to get involved, especially as a busy student studying mechanical engineering? Sure. So I think it actually started even way back in high school. So when I was in high school, I was part of the band there. So the band in high school were part of the marching band, the concert band, things like that. Mm-hmm. There were like several hundred people. And so what I really enjoyed about it was being a part of something that was bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't play symphony, you know, solo. Mm-hmm. So going to college, going to UCLA, I think I was missing part of that because I didn't join the band when I went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. So I was on a search to try to find other organizations I can be part of, any extracurriculars that's outside of engineering. Mm-hmm. And so I remembered my my brother and my dad once upon a time volunteered with Habitat for Humanity. Mm-hmm. So that 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 was really interesting. I was a mechanical engineering major, so anything kind of hands-on was really exciting for me. And so I started checking out the Habitat for Humanity chapter at UCLA and just fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. I think what really grasped me was more the people that was part of it. Mm-hmm. And I would I just became quick friends with the people at the organization and ended up going to Bill Days every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And going to Bill Days was, I think part of it was really helping people mm-hmm. and be able to work alongside people just the way that Habitat for Humanity models their organization but at the end of the day it also became just a hangout with friends and i think the thing that you know got me attracted to and just kept going was that those people that were also trying to volunteer like those were the people that i found were most authentic Mm -hmm. they're most caring and those are the people that like i'm still friends with to this day that i respect a ton and those people that i want to you know learn from and grow from and i think I was just really inspired by the people that were also passionate about the same 
So that's kind of what attracted me and just kept me going there. That's really awesome. Yeah, you, you know, what we find in a lot of these interviews that we do with social entrepreneurs around the world is um, it's really just a sense of community that keeps people around. Um, we find that the community is really global in that way, like where it gets interconnected across borders and the work that you did with Habitat for Humanity, it sounds like that's what kind of inspired you to stay around. Um, so I'm kind of curious, I, I want to go back to Habitat for Humanity later, but this is a nice segue into the work that you did with the Global Sustainability Project. Because uh, speaking of communities, you know, you were working with people across borders in El Salvador. And I'm curious about where did that idea come from in terms of working with that particular community? Was it a need? Was it somebody that you met? Yeah, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. So how we actually came about it was actually through Habitat for Humanity. Okay. So as part of Habitat for Humanity, um, they have what they call like alternative spring breaks or global village trips, mm-hmm. where, like I mentioned, every weekend we would go to a community near school, right? And then during spring break or during the summertime or during you know, the December break that students have, we would actually take a trip abroad. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes we would take um, a trip, for example, I led a trip to um, New Orleans to help with Hurricane Katrina um, and some other places. And then one December, we started leading trips internationally and we went to El Salvador. And we went to El Salvador, that was actually working with um, the Fuller Center for Housing, who has a very similar model to Habitat for Humanity. It was started by the same um, Millard and Linda Fuller. And so we went to El Salvador and we spent a week building homes with them and got to know the community. And as we were leaving, what I was recognizing was hey, they now have homes that they can live in. And the Fuller Center was providing that. But they still weren't sustainable. They still needed a lot of other resources. Mm. And so what I saw that was missing was, was there anybody you know, empowering the community to really look at them holistically mm. and try to understand what are all the things that they need? Not just homes, right? Mm-hmm. Do they need education, right? Do they need support from the health side? And so I think from that recognition and from my experiences um, in consulting, mm-hmm found that what if we did a model where we started with the community? We spent time first understanding the communities themselves mm-hmm. and work with them to understand what their pain points are and understand all of their needs and then start reaching out to organizations that specialize in those. So if we found that they needed housing, we'd reach out to organizations like Habitat Community. Right. So we, so I started kind of thinking more about this and then started forming a global sustainability project with um, a partner of mine and from that, we started to, decided to do a pilot project. Mm. And we decided, naturally, we built that bond with the software community. So we wanted to go back and kind of start it with them to see, like, is this model going to be sustainable? Is this something that we can start with? So that's how it came about. That's really cool, actually. It, it kind of reminds me of Bill Drayton and the whole, like, Ashoka model for, like, how they sort of build up these social enterprises locally. They find kind of local champions, as opposed to the model that some companies like Tom's take, where mm-hmm they sort of have a really like single touch approach where they'll do something like donating shoes, uh, but they're not really thinking about the economic ramifications about the genuine needs that these people have and about whether or not the philanthropic good that they're contributing is actually beneficial to the community. So that's awesome. Um, I'm kind of curious, working with your partner over in the El Salvador community, um, what was your experience like finding local champions and like really understanding the needs of the people around? Because I think that that's something that a lot of social entrepreneurs miss. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And I think you also hit on the key point, mm-hmm. which is that when working with especially like social entrepreneurs and starting with the people that you're serving, mm-hmm. that really is where you need to start, right? It's 
it's not about, hey, I can provide this service. Now I'm going to look for, you know, um, communities or individuals that need my service. So it's not a solution looking for problems to solve, right? right? It's really starting with the people and the approach that you're taking and then finding the solution from that. And so I think in working with that community, uh, what we actually started doing for the pilot partnership, uh, from the pilot operation in El Salvador was we started knowing the communities, but we knew that we didn't know them enough. We could do a lot of homework in advance, like in the States, and that's actually what we did. We came up with like a list of eight different initiatives that we wanted to do, mm-hmm. anywhere from helping them find employment to not just building homes, but building a community like center mm-hmm. that started building a bond between the communities and even activities uh, or like a playground for them. And then when we got there, the first 10 days when I went back to El Salvador, so we flew back with a new team, we actually spent the first 10 days interviewing every single family in that community. Mm-hmm. So there were about 60 families there. So we sat in their living room and I actually just listened to them, took notes, and tried to synthesize all of those and figure out what initiatives like are they telling us they need? Not what initiatives are we observing mm-hmm. and telling them what they need, right? So we started doing that by doing the user interviews. And then from there, um, I think the next step was really kind of led by actually one of the um, one of the, the lead designers at XG mm-hmm. now kind of taught me, mm-hmm. which I, I didn't realize we were using was, you design with and not for people. Mm-hmm. So I think in the spirit of designing with, the next step that we tell you after doing the user interviews was, how do you empower the community to be motivated, right? To be invested in these initiatives and not initiatives that these outsiders are coming in and like telling us that they need. Mm-hmm. So what we actually did was did we did team bonding activities. We did like <laughs> team bonding games. We got all of them in a big circle mm-hmm. and got them to know each other, like know their neighbors, right? And then from there, what was actually really interesting is of those eight different initiatives that we initially came with, mm-hmm. The most successful was one that we actually came up with on the spot. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what we understood or what kind of stood out from a lot of the interviews was a lot of the families were saying, hey, I, I do want to find a job. Mm-hmm. The challenge is I have a young young child at home. And we heard that over and over again from a lot of families. Mm-hmm. So that idea started evolving into like, what if we created a daycare, right? And by creating a daycare and a system with that daycare saying, all right, for Monday, we're gonna have this family and the parents take care of all the children in the community. Mm-hmm. So all of the other families can find jobs. They have the time to do that. And you alternate. Mm-hmm. And that actually became the most successful. And the community bought into it. And um, the years afterward, um, when the, the community went there, painted all the walls, put like libraries and things like that mm-hmm. in there. And by creating a daycare and the system for it that the community was bought into, that allowed the community to have a job. It wasn't about, hey, let me help you find a job, mm. right? That wasn't the, the pain point. That was kind of the result of it. Yeah, that's a really cool approach. It sounds like you really looked at their situation and approached it like with empathy. Like you were trying to get a good understanding of their genuine problems and get them involved in the problem solving in a sort of human-centric design kind of way. Exactly. Which is awesome. Um, so what was your experience like working with a culture and a group of people <clears throat> that's so vastly different from what we experience here with the problems that we see here in San Francisco. Um, I think that a lot of people who are interested in getting into social entrepreneurship and philanthropy, um, they have empathy and they can feel deeply and they can try to understand other people's needs, but maybe they haven't had experience working with a community outside of their country or one that's vastly different from what they're used to in their day to day. 
Yeah, and I think that's something that I continue to learn mm-hmm. even to this day, like with the team at XCG and the design team that's like teaching me as well. Right. Is that I think you're right. A big part of it is um, starting with empathy mm-hmm. and not having any like any assumptions that you're going into it with, right? Not going in with the assumption that just because this is important to me that it has to be important to you as well, right? And I think we talk a lot about like the uh, working across borders or to different countries, but even in our own backyards, the work that we're doing right now, um, like with XG mm-hmm. and working with, you know, the city and county of San Francisco and looking at San Francisco as your community, right? There's a lot of diversity, right? And everything that we do, we think of things like accessibility, mm-hmm. like is what we're producing, even if it is a digital platform, is that gonna, going to be accessible by everybody? Is it going to be accessible by people who are blind, mm. who have hearing impairments, who are elder, right? Yeah. And they're not able to like see the screen very well, or like sc- what we're learning is like, hey, scrolling down a page like hurts my fingers, mm. right? Like I think, <clears throat> I think approaching a lot of these without any assumptions, and really just asking and communicating mm. uh, with the people that you are going to be serving, and so. I think there are a number of different methods you could use. You could do like secondary research to mm-hmm. learn about it. Um, if you want to cast more of a wide net to learn, uh, you could do things like surveys, right? If you want more qualitative kind of deep learning, you could do more user interviews mm-hmm. or even observations or like play a day in the life of. So mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of different tactics to do. Um, but I think first it's just kind of breaking down your previous assumptions and going in it with empathy and just right. wanting to understand. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so a lot of our listeners, they're, they're not super familiar with what or who XG is outside of the scope of what we gave in the introduction. Uh, so you gave a really good sample there about kind of the work that you do and how you approach these different design questions, these different product questions. Um, but I'm kind of curious, do you have an example of maybe one of the projects or the clients that you worked with at XG that um, kind of inspired you or that's top of mind that could kind of illuminate what XG is all about? Yeah, I think there are a number that... Um come to mind. Mm-hmm. I think the one that I'll probably start with is, um, is or actually before get, getting into an example of some mm-hmm. of the work, um, maybe elaborate a little more on kind of what XVU does. That'd be great. So like I mentioned, our mission is really to build resilient, healthy communities. Mm-hmm. And we want to look at a community holistically and like what is resiliency and what does healthy communities really mean, right? And even we nitpick the word like health, right? And healthy, it's not healthcare. Mm-hmm. It's healthy and everything that revolves around that. And that includes things like social determinants of health and expands to understanding what are all the different environmental factors that may impact someone's health. So looking at things like housing, that's housing is a big deal or a big topic in San Francisco. It's huge. And we've worked a lot within you know affordable housing, how to make affordable housing more accessible. So I think a lot of what SDG starts with is what are the big pain points within a community that you know, may prevent it? Or how do we enable communities to be more resilient and healthy? And then working with organizations that are committed to um, making that movement or pushing that forward. And so the way that we work with a lot of our clients is through you know, digital innovation. Mm-hmm. And so that could mean a couple of things. It could mean working with organizations that just has an idea or um, certain initiatives that they really care about, but they're not really sure how to approach it. So we work with them in that initial stage of mm-hmm. how do we strategize around this? Is a product even the right solution, right? Is a technical product the right solution? How does technology fit into your 
your roadmap. And then if we decide product is the right way uh, to move forward, then we can work with them to do the actual discovery user interviews, mm -hmm. right? Design and build build out that technology for them. Mm -hmm. And I think the really inspiring part is actually enabling and empowering our clients themselves and teaching them how to be human-centered, teaching mm -hmm. them how to have empathy for whoever they're building or building products for um, and supporting them. So that's a lot of what we do. I think um, examples uh, that come to mind is um, a nonprofit that we've been working with for a little while now. Mm -hmm. um, and their mission is to uh, build capacity for nonprofit leaders serving the global south or the developing communities. And uh, what's really inspiring about them is they're, they're recognizing, you know, the resources that are available to people who are working on the ground mm -hmm. in the global south. And how do we build a community around them? And kind of how some of this started from our user research that we're finding is these nonprofit leaders in the global south who are working on the ground, right? A lot of them are working, you know, in isolation. Mm -hmm. They don't have a community, an active community immediately around them that we like, take for granted in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of user interviews and found the sense of community was really important to them. And so what we did with this organization is we built an online platform that really allowed them to do two things. One was to take advantage of an online community where they can share lessons learned, they can share uh, resources that they have mm -hmm. with people who are trying to do something similar within their neighborhood and even um, organize like a meetup for them. The second big thing that there was uh, providing really, um, really high quality courses for them so that they can know better, they can better market their work, they can better manage their finances, do fundraising. That's what we mean by capacity building is allowing them to operate at a higher capacity so that they can serve their uh, beneficiaries even more effectively. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one example that's more kind of on a global scale. Mm -hmm. um, and we also do a lot of work even within the United States. Uh, for example, uh, working to figure out how do we help fight epidemics, mm -hmm. right? Even with this past flu season, um, there was a scare and a lot of people comparing this to the flu season, you know, a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And so how do we prevent that? How do we inform epidemiologists um, to do better research, to do more research? Or how do we inform the work that they're doing? Yeah. So we're doing a big project around that. And then for the local level, like I mentioned, working with affordable housing in the city and county of San Francisco and how to make that more accessible. Right. That's awesome. I have one more example, I guess, from Exegy from my own personal experience, because I think the work that you guys do is incredible. Um, we did a session with uh, Atlas Incorporated, which is a running application that basically empowers people to uh, run, bike, or hike and donate money to charities uh, through business-sponsored um, challenges. And they told me that they actually just reached out to Exegy through the Contact Us button on their page. And without them knowing, a person who reached out to them immediately via email was like, you know, let's understand your problems, let's see how we can get involved. They found out maybe after five days of correspondence that this was the CEO of Exegy, mm -hmm. the founder. Um, so it, it kind of shows that that empathy that, that XG kind of approaches with, um, where they aren't stuck up on like roles and titles and responsibilities and how people fit into the, that kind of professional ecosystem. They just want to solve problems. They just want to help others. So that's one story that I thought would be interesting to bring to the forefront. Um, so you worked at Accenture before you joined XG, is that right? 
Yeah. Awesome. And, and you moved up at Accenture for quite a while in, in a similar fashion that a lot of people who are interested in philanthropy do and that they'll, they'll be working in a different career path for a long time before they actually make that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any advice for our listeners who are currently working in a space where maybe they would like to get more involved in philanthropy on a regular basis in their careers and how to build courage to kind of build that jump and to navigate that space? Yeah, I think for me personally, um, when I when I left college, I think I knew um, I wanted to do something that was that I was really passionate about. And at that time, and I'm still passionate about uh, philanthropy and social entrepreneurship. Um, and that's why I started and continued doing global sustainability projects mm-hmm. uh, after college, as I was like in parallel to working at Accenture. Right. And and then I kind of made a decision of um, recognizing that I think I personally had a lot to learn still. And so I decided I'm going to dedicate myself 100% to learning as much as I could at Accenture and working with a lot of phenomenal organizations and a lot of leadership there. And I really just kind of put my head down and just try to learn as much and just gain a lot of experience. Just said yes to a lot of things, like right. any responsibility that was available. <laughs> and and like you mentioned, I was there for a number of years, mm-hmm. rose up to an executive to a point where I felt like I, I learned I learned a lot and I think it was time for me to kind of um, provide those lessons learned and those experiences to the social impact uh, space. Mm-hmm. And so uh, when I felt it was time ready to move, um, started looking at B, corpor- uh, B corporations mm-hmm. and then that's how I came across um, Exegy. And so I think while I was you know, carving my path, I knew I always wanted to return and I agree it's, it's sometimes a big leap to kind of um, move into that space. I think the lessons learned, um, I'd say maybe two things I would have mentioned. I think one is you don't necessarily have to work directly um, in you know the philanthropic space mm-hmm. or social impact space to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, even while I was at Accenture and I wasn't working directly you know on projects on a day-to-day basis that were like socially impact driven, on weekends I would continue to volunteer. Um, I would continue to talk to people and just learn about people's experiences and just contribute in any way as possible mm-hmm. in addition to like being an advocate for it and educating people about like health health equity right and like what that means mm-hmm. and what opportunities are out there so I think anybody can take advantage of those and continue to contribute it doesn't necessarily have to be your your career long term uh, I think the second thing um, that I would recommend that I think it was a big lesson learned for me. I'll bring it up again, which is when you're approaching um, the space and any space for that matter, approaching design, it's designing with and not for right. uh, people. I love that. And so I think I think that's really important because when I initially started, and even in a pilot operation, like I mentioned, we, we made, I think there were never lessons learned around like how much time we spent really <laughs> designing things in advance and then going to community, mm-hmm. providing, providing those initiatives, you know, um, in front of them and a lot of them not really being sustainable. So I think, I think where time is most well spent is like really start starting with empathy mm-hmm. and understanding and starting with the people and getting them motivated as well, right? Mm-hmm. Think about behavior change. How do you motivate, um, the communities that you're serving and even people around you because I think a lot of times that's how you inspire others mm-hmm. 
And I think that's how you can possibly do the most impact is by inspiring others to do the same. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, w- with that in mind, with designing with people and like kind of like doing these user interviews and sort of understanding the space of social the social sector effectively, um, you've probably had a lot of experience both at Accenture and Exegy of just talking to people and hearing about their problems in different spaces from like homelessness to a lack of community resources to whatever that might be. Um, so given that experience and the work you do with the Global Sustainability Project, have you given any thought into maybe a new project that you might want to work on in the future or sort of like what the next steps would be for you having made partner at Exegy? Yeah, I think I think recently, um, maybe not, not so recently, <laughs> I think what I'm really passionate about is health and that kind of larger term of what health is, mm-hmm. like the health and resilient communities. Um, and, and the social determinants of health mm-hmm. around that because I think that that kind of um, that encompasses a lot of what I was saying is when you are looking at a person and empathizing with them you're empathizing with all of their uh, environmental factors mm-hmm. and really understanding their day-to-day uh, and what they're doing on a 24-hour basis you know like what are they going home to right right how are they even getting to work mm-hmm. what's their transportation like are they having to travel two hours each way, right? Are they having trouble finding childcare, right, along the way to work? Um, so I think, I think that really encompasses understanding a, whoever you're serving holistically. Um, so that's been really what's kind of drawing me, and I think that's what's really exciting me about like working with communities. I think I think personally, and in terms of like next steps. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I have like a concrete kind of next step <laughs> or a next project. Right. Um, my North Star has always been uh, whatever I whatever I see is going to allow me to like deliver the most impact or inspire others. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, at this time, like I see a lot of that in the work that we do at Exegy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what continue to drive me forward. Right. I think you're in a really good place at Exegy. I think especially in San Francisco, you know, for a lot of our listeners coming in from Brisbane, Australia, where a, a, a mass of them are, um, the social issues that we face here in San Francisco, they're, they're largely parallel, but the ecosystem of the social sector is very different, I'm sure. Um, I've had a conversation with Tom Allen, our founder over at Impact Room, quite a bit around the social space over there, and we face issues over here in San Francisco a lot more around like homelessness and a lot more about lack of community resources and health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like that's sort of where you've tuned in, given the work you've done. So I think it's really cool that you know your passion, and that you know the area that you want to work in, and that you're you're empowered to do that at Exegy. Um, so I guess with the time that we have left, I just have one more question for you. Um, it's really just around, we like to share podcasts and books and media with our listeners, and I'm curious if you have any that you'd like to recommend to everyone listening in right now. Yeah, I think I have a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Exegy sends out a newsletter. Um, mm. frequently so people haven't signed up for that I think that's a good resource and in terms of newsletters um, and within like the health space uh, our friends at Rock Health also mm-hmm. produces a pretty good uh, newsletter that consolidates a lot of um, material within the space um, and then I guess lately I've been uh, like really into um, like not just self-improvement but like you know even team improvement or like culture improvement so a big thing that we um practice at XG itself is like how do you communicate with one another and create mm-hmm. that culture and 
there is a good book around uh, nonviolent communication. Um, it tells you a lot of methods around like how do you not just communicate with one another, but how do you even that even helps you if you're going to be doing user interviews, right? right. <laughs> with potential people that you want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really helpful, just kind of all around. I think I think the best thing at the end of the day is just talking to folks mm-hmm. um, and just learning about their experiences firsthand and kind of seeing it and just using all your senses. Right. I'm gonna get that book recommendation from you later, also, <laughs> because I, I want to read that. Um, one other book for our listeners, if you're curious, um, there's a book by David Bornstein called How to Change the World. Uh, it's all about stories about social entrepreneurs, like much like the people that Eric works with on a daily basis. So if you're curious about getting a little bit more inspired and hearing more of these stories uh, that are global, um, that's a book that I would recommend as well. Um, and also, just so you all know, uh, Exigy is spelled E-X-Y-G-Y, uh, just because I know that that's a hard word to spell. Um, but that's all that we have for today, Eric. I really, really appreciate your time and hearing your stories. And I know that we hang out all the time outside of this, but it's it's nice to hear the work that you do at XG and sort of the work that you've done before this, before I even had a chance to meet you. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below, and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page, and Twitter.